Jonathan Gavoni, he runs DraftExpress.com, and he runs it well. He joins me on the VO2 Networks Hotline. Jonathan, it's Gary down in Memphis, man. How you doing? Doing great, Gary. How are you? Ah, I'm, I'm perfect. It's good to have you here. Let me ask you about something first, because the uh, one paper after another seems to uh, be making um, uh, trade scenarios involving the Grizzlies' uh, Rudy Gay. And, you know, the Cleveland in the four pick. Now there's Toronto in the five pick and some other assets. Let me ask you, how many guys in this draft could you reasonably project to have a better career than the career we already know Rudy Gay's having? I think if any of them have that kind of career, I think you've done pretty well for yourself. Right. So and the only question would be, you know, the contract that they gave him. But um, uh, it, it looks okay based on their early results, I, I suppose. I mean, that's the thing. And I think, you know, maybe if, if somebody – there was one idea that maybe – and this is not going to happen, but if Cleveland were to go, you know, one and four and you could take a Kyrie Irving and an Ennis Cantor, then I think you've got to look at that and just say, you know what, maybe one of those guys becomes an all-star. Maybe both of them becomes an all-star. But um, I, I think that a fourth pick, a fifth pick, a sixth pick, that they seem so unattractive suggests what uh, most people have said about this draft, which is it's one of the weakest drafts we've had in a long, long time. Do you agree with that sentiment? I can see where that's coming from. Anytime that you know three of the top five best players in the draft pull out, you're going to lose quite a bit of star power at the top, and you're going to lose a lot of depth. Probably seven or eight guys that could have gone in the top twenty and decided not to be in. So yeah, and there's you know you're drafting players at, at twenty five that normally would go uh, in the second round. So um, I think that there's a lot to be said for. This being a weak class, but I do think that that teams are going to be able to find good players uh, at every pick, really. Jonathan Cavoni runs DraftExpress.com. He's my guest here on the VO2 Networks Hotline. Um, I think all of us assume at this point Kyrie Irving is going to go uh, number one. Is there any way that doesn't happen? Well, we're going to get the results of the physical, the medical examinations in the next few days from the Chicago Combine. And I think that unless there we see some long-term issue with his toe, then I think that most likely he's going to go number one. We're talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com here on the VO2 Networks Hotline. Uh, with Kyrie, we've had a lot of high-profile point guards uh, come out over the past few years. A lot of them uh, connected to Memphis either because they played here like Derek Rose and uh, Tyreek Evans, or they were connected to Cal like John Wall. And uh, and I, I guess, where does Kyrie Irving fall in, in, in the, in the – the list of those guys, you put John Wall, uh, Kyrie Irving, Derrick Rose. I know Derrick is the reigning MVP, but coming out of college, how does, how does Kyrie Irving project compared to how those guys projected? I think he's a better basketball player than all of those guys at that same stage in terms of polish, in terms of understanding of the game, fundamentals, the ability to run the pick and roll right now. I think Kyrie is ahead of those guys. I don't think he has the same long-term upside as those players because he's not quite the athlete that John Wall or Derrick Rose is, but I think he's going he's gonna to have a great NBA career. No, I love him, and he was so, like, people don't really remember, or maybe people do, uh, Derek struggled for a long time here in Memphis. He was not their best player that year. Chris Douglas Roberts was their best player. He was just so physically overwhelming that you knew if it ever clicked, he would be physically overwhelming for anybody that tried to guard him, and it clicked in the NCAA tournament, and that's how they end up playing in a national championship game. But Kyrie, we only saw him briefly, uh, but he, he, was, he was a star on a team that the best player on a team that 
subsequently had some people's National Player of the Year, Nolan Smith, and Kyrie, like right from the start, uh, looked like a veteran, looked under control, looked like he understood exactly what he was supposed to be doing, and uh, and he did it in a way that that made him unstoppable for the brief a brief time that we got to watch him. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt about it. He did everything physically possible to to, to be the number one pick. Uh, it's just unfortunate that. You know that by the time that everybody woke up and started watching college basketball, he was already out. And then they came back, and they didn't really get to see the same guy that we saw, you know, in November and December. Those that watched the USA basketball last summer, people that saw him in high school or in the AAU circuit or the All Star game. So, people that are in the basketball industry had seen enough of him to know that he's number one. But the casual fan, unfortunately, did not get to experience that. Talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com, my guest here on the VO2 Networks Hotline. I think the, one of the more interesting uh, prospects in this draft, Ennis Cantor, uh, the big Turkish kid who went to Kentucky, was never cleared to play because he was a professional before going to college, and they just do not allow that in the NCAA, no matter uh, how often the basketball coach at said school tries to pretend that he was not a professional. Uh, and yet, all I can remember about him is, uh, you know, how he did in that Hoop Summit game and just dominated Jared Sullinger and everybody else. Um, when you've talked to people who have seen him work out or if you've seen him work out, um, what, what do you see? What kind of prospect is he? He's obviously got great size. I mean, just seeing him walk, uh, you know, every single day in Chicago across the lobby of the Westin Hotel, you're like, wow, that's a big guy. That looks like an NBA center right there. He's got the size, the strength, the length. We know that he can score inside the paint. Um, he obviously has a high skill level based on the workouts that he's had. Beyond that, you know, there's a lot of question marks. Uh, we haven't gotten to see very much of him. Some, there is, there, some people don't think he has the, the, the best feel for the game. It's tough to say based on, you know, a one-on-zero workout, him going up against a bunch of cones. So I think that... You know, whoever is going to draft him is going to be taking a pretty big leap of faith. And, you know, maybe it works out for you, and maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, you know, your fan base is going to, is going to be a little bit angry, saying, how in the world did you draft a guy based on what? So I'm going to be, I've never seen a case like this. I've been doing this for eight years, a guy with such a, you know, little resume. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it turns out. On your mock draft over at DraftExpress.com, you obviously have Kyrie Irving uh, being selected at number one overall by the Cleveland Cavaliers. At number two, you have Derek Williams. Now, Derek, obviously, uh, he was great all year, was tremendous in the NCAA tournament. I was out in Los Angeles, I guess it was in February, and I was at the game uh, where they lost, actually, to USC. And when talking to NBA scouts there, and he was not very good that night, but this was the conversations I had even before tip-off. So it wasn't like a knee-jerk reaction to a poor performance. Some of them were concerned that, uh, listen, he's a great college basketball player, but I don't know, you know, he's not really a power forward, and I don't know where he can play. Um, Clearly, he's eliminated some of those concerns, but ultimately, uh, where does he play at the next level? I think he's clearly a four. I think that if you're watching the NBA playoffs today, I mean, every team needs to have – a very dynamic, very versatile four who can take guys off the dribble, that can make shots from outside, that can space the floor, that can pass, that can run, that can finish above the rim. I think he does all of that stuff. So he, in his mind, wants to be a three, which to me is a little bit of a turnoff. 
But I think that when it's all said and done, he's going to realize that he's um, uh, an unbelievable mismatch at the fourth spot, and that he's big enough. He measures six nine with a nice, you know, seven foot wingspan. He's a very athletic guy. And um, by the way, at that USC game, you were the one that started the Nikola Vucevic hype train, and now the guy is being talked about as a potential lottery pick. When you wrote that article about how good of a prospect he is, you know, people thought you were crazy at the right. time. I loved him. I mean, and I had, I had, I'd seen him on TV, but you know what? And it, I saw what, what um, you know, when I just stood next to him. I, you know, I went and talked to him after the game, and obviously he was tremendous that game, but he's a big dude. I mean, that's not like, you know, a 6'10 dude they're calling seven foot. I mean, that's a big human being. He's super skilled. And I said, why can this guy, like why? I remember talking to the USC staff after the game, Bob Cantu, actually, one of the assistants, and I said, are you going to lose that kid after this year? And he said, I'm scared that we might. And at this point, like, nobody was talking about him. And I, was, I said, I don't know why you wouldn't draft him in the first round. Does he look like a first-round draft pick now? Yeah, I know. He's got, the, like, the best buzz of any player right. in the draft right now. People are going crazy about him. His measurements were unbelievable. He, he measured as the tallest guy at the combine, has, like, a 7-5 wingspan, 9-5 standing reach. He was also the heaviest guy at 260 pounds. But, you know, not in a bad way. And his, his workouts were amazing. People were looking at him. They're saying, him against Enos Cantor, they're saying, tell me why are we going to draft Enos Cantor in the top five and Vucevic is a second-round pick. Now all of a sudden people are starting to look at Vucevic as a definite first-rounder, and he might even go in the top 20. So um, it's definitely a notch in your belt there, my friend. All right, I'm going to start me a draft website maybe going forward. Talking to, <laughs> talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com here on the VO2 Networks Hotline. The other, probably the most high-profile uh, guy in college basketball last year, Jimmer for Dad. Um, you know, Utah is being a pick, uh, is picking 12th. I know that the opinions are all over the board on Jimmer. Uh, a, what kind of prospect, what kind of player can he be uh, at the NBA level? Is it going to deter- be determined by what kind of system he's involved in? And how much pressure is Utah going to have on them to take, uh, to take him 12th, even if he's very clearly, in most people's mind, not the 12th best prospect in this draft? Yeah, I don't think that, you know, Kevin O'Connor has been there for so long. He's made so many draft picks, uh, you know, and they made the playoffs for so long up until this year. I don't really think he's the kind of guy that's going to be subjected to that kind of pressure. He's going to make the, the pick that he thinks is going to be the best for the franchise long term. Um, in terms of what type of prospect he's going to be, I think he's, he's got a chance to be a very good NBA player. If he goes to the right coach, someone who uh, is going to let him play the style of basketball that he knows how to play, giving him some freedom in, in open court, take some crazy shots, a lot of them he's going to make, I think he could be really good. I could see him having, you know, like a Mike Bibby-type career. Uh, Mike Bibby was a borderline all-star, you know, at one point. But in this day and age, there, he's going to have a, a lot of problems guarding his position as well. So uh, it's going to be very important that, you know, the team that he goes to plays kind of up, up-tempo. So, you know, because if he's in a half-court system and he needs to guard guys, he's going to get killed, I think. Talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com here on the VO2 Networks Hotline. You had an interesting quote uh, from a GM the other day about uh, Scotty Hobson, former Tennessee Vaugh, said, uh, quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but uh, this guy is not from the same planet the rest of us are from. That's never a good thing for people to be saying about you going into a draft, is it? No, and I think, you know, the reason that that was coming out was because of his interviews. Um, you know, 
he's the kind of he's a, he's a borderline draft pick at this point. I think we have him projected at around 56 or something like that. And the way he's talking is similar to the way that top five picks are talking. You know, oh, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be an all star. You know, I've got it. I mean, so he reality is not quite set in for him. And I'm just not sure that that's what teams are looking for in the second round. I mean, even though he is obviously talented, he had a lot of issues at Tennessee. He was not consistent at all. And you want to see some type of realization of why uh, you know I'm, I'm in the situation I'm in right now, and that just isn't there at all. And then Tobias Harris is the other Voss, certainly a much better uh, pro prospect. Oh, I think so, yeah. I mean, this, he's 18 years old, going on 30. The guy is so mature incredibly versatile player, can do a little bit of everything. People compare him a little bit to Shane Battier. Um, I, I like him a lot. He's, uh, his draft stock has been rising. I think he's going to go uh, somewhere from 10 to 20. I'll tell you, uh, Steve Forbes back uh, during the season, the assistant coach or former assistant coach now at Tennessee, when talking about Tobias, and, and Steve's not the type of guy who would, you know, he, he's told me that he, they got players up there that they, he hated, and they hated. But about Tobias, he said this, and I thought it was an interesting comment. He said the kid has no bad habits. He just plays basketball. There's not, a, there's not a drinking problem. There's not a smoking problem. There's not a girl problem. There's not a family problem. The kid has no bad habits. He's the safest you know, type of kid you can draft, and he's a hell of a prospect to boot. Yeah, and that's why you take him where you do in a draft like this where it's hard to find upside. He's a guy that it's not, he's not going to make you look bad. He's not going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a very good NBA player like Jared Dudley, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Gomes, uh, Shane Battier, something along those lines. Uh, wrapping up here with Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. Before I let you go, um, the biggest recruit coming into the University of Memphis next year is a guy who I know you've seen play often, Adonis uh, Thomas. People ask me all the time, is he a one-and-done type player? I'll ask you, is he a one-and-done type player? If he wants to be. I mean, if he was in this draft, I think he would be a top-ten pick. He has everything that you look for in an NBA small forward prospect on and off the court. Uh, he's an unbelievable athlete. He's got length. He's got a great frame. He's got a terrific work ethic. Talking to him, he's a very mature kid. He's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sky high on him. I don't know if he's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer from day one, so people need to temper their expectations a little bit because he is you know, still coming along as a player. Uh, but he's going to be—he's going to do a lot of little things for for Memphis next year, and I think he's going to help them win a lot of games. That's Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. Go check out his website. It is the absolute best place to read about the guys who are going to be picked uh, next uh, month up in New York City. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for being here, man. I'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks, Gary. All right, that's Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. How about that, Brad Carson? Guess who? Di- guess who discovered a, a, a prospect? Back in Los Angeles in February. It's impressive, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. See, people think that all I can do, you know, Parrish, all he does is sit around making jokes all day. I think what you just heard from DraftExpress.com's Jonathan Gavoni is that I am a, a talent evaluator as well. You are. I've seen you. <laughs> I don't think that's true, really. Lots of talent that you evaluate. I know who's good. I know who's good and who isn't, though. Yes, you do. I have, a, I have a tremendous track record of identifying stars at a very early stage. Who was the only person in the world who made Kevin Durant a first-team All-American before he ever played a college game? Gary Parrish. Who was the only person in the world who made Derrick Rose a first-team All-American before he ever played a college game? That's Gary Parrish. Who was the only person in the world who called John Wall the preseason national player of the year before he ever played a game? 
to Gary Parish. Yeah, but that didn't work out because of Evan Turner. But still, I was damn close, Brad Carson. Sure. I was damn close. That's the point. 